from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey in Charleston, South Carolina, correct? Yeah. This says, excuse me, Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint for the AFC and NFC Championship game around January 19th, the year of 2020. Good afternoon, Luke. Yeah, good afternoon. We're back on Sundays. Yeah, uh, with only uh, three more games to go. Well, excluding the Pro Bowl, I guess. But, uh, yeah, getting down to the nitty-gritty, the sad time of the year. Yeah, but we don't do a, a Pro Bowl uh, Sunday sprint, unless oh, you want to change ways this year. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> All right, before we get to uh, these games, just is there anything you want to say about the Vikings? Nah, you know, it was a disappointing effort. Um, uh, they got manhandled. I just find it fascinating that, you know, and I know you can't base it all off of one game, but that the Browns are sitting at home watching that game, and they interviewed the Niners defensive coordinator, and they interviewed the Vikings offensive coordinator, and for Robert Sala to, to coach circles around Kevin Stefanski and the Browns to be sitting at home thinking, yeah, you know what, Stefanski's the guy we got to go hire. I find that interesting. Now, of course, there's a lot more that goes into it, but it's just a funny, you know, ending to the whole search for Cleveland to hire him after a game like that. That's what my dad said. He was shocked that that's who they hired. Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, it comes down to, you know, an analytical approach, and he was willing to almost sell his soul for the job in the sense that, uh, you know, they have to send the game plan off to the analytics guys on whatever it was, Friday, and they got to meet with the, he has to meet with the owner every Monday, and they are going to have analytical meetings. So, you know, somebody who would agree to do all those things that a normal head coach wouldn't, and for Stefanski, who this is his first opportunity, he'd be willing to do that stuff more than, say, a Josh McDaniels. Like, why would he want to leave New England for a situation like that? So uh, I think it just comes down to a guy who was willing to do what they were looking for from somebody in that position. What, um, what did you learn about San Francisco? And we'll get to that game in a second in, in terms of the Packers. But as you sit there now as a fan of the Vikings, seeing your team being manhandled, what, what was, was there something that was unexpected about the 49ers to you? Was there anything that stood out like, holy moly, I didn't realize blank? Was there anything you learned? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know if it was anything that I've learned. Like, while watching that game, you know, I wasn't uh, overly impressed with San Francisco's offense. It was what I was expecting. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, did just enough. They ran it like 47 times, so he didn't have to uh, do a lot offensively through that interception that kept Minnesota in the game. So, you know, he, he played well, but he, I didn't think he did anything too spectacular. They were able to run the football, as, you know, typically a Kyle Shanahan team can. Um, I, the most impressive thing for San Francisco was just the battle in the trend which I probably should have seen coming, but the way they dominated up front on both sides of the football, uh, offensively being able to run the football right down the Vikings' throat for most of the day, and then defensively just wreaking havoc where Minnesota couldn't do anything. They couldn't run the football, and Kirk Cousins didn't have a whole lot of time. He was pressured on uh, almost 50% of his snaps, so just the ability for San Francisco to wreck that game in the trenches, and that's always the most important thing. If you can get after the quarterback, and if you can protect your quarterback, uh, you're going to have success, as San Francisco did that day, and they'll certainly try to do the same against Green Bay, but they're really talented uh, on both lines, and uh, that's really what drives the team. Absolutely. All right, let's get to this. We start with the American Football cha uh, Conference Championship game between Tennessee and Houston, and here's how I look at this game, Luke. Uh, number one, uh, uh, sorry, did I say Houston? 
You just started to now. I don't know if you. I, I don't even know if you said it. Tennessee, Kansas City. That's the AFC Championship game. Um, what I was starting to say is that Kansas City can't do what they did against Houston, which is play a horrendous first quarter and then play a spectacular second quarter. That won't work because then that puts the ball right into Derrick Henry's hands or right into what the Titans do great. If I'm KC, I, I want the ball. I'm not going to defer. I want the ball. I'm going to go out there, play aggressive, throw it around, establish the pass. You hope Travis Kelsey's in great shape and go from there. I think for Tennessee to be in this game late, that must mean that Kansas City got off to a slow start and or turned the ball over. And as a result, they're able to establish the run. You want to make Ryan Tannehill pass the ball. You don't want to let Derrick Henry run the ball. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's interesting when you look at the teams today. Really, all of them, except maybe Kansas City, uh, are teams that kind of need to play with a lead. Maybe not so much San Francisco, but they, of course, love to run the football. Uh, that's been Green Bay's MO. They're better when they play with a lead, like most teams. Uh, and the Titans, as you said, I mean, they're dependent, or they've become dependent here in the playoffs on Derrick Henry, um, where if they can get a lead and continue to run the football, they can have great success. It would be curious to see how they would do if they fell behind early or how they can keep up with Pat Mahomes. Now, of course, you go back to whatever it was, I think week 10, and that was Mahomes' first game back from injury. And in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill had a big day and, and took the Derrick Henry, but they you know, they outdueled Kansas City, beating them and scoring 35 points. Uh, they haven't had to do it in the playoffs, and it'd be, it's a different story on the road in Kansas City AFC Conference uh, Championship game. But I think that's why Tennessee matches up well with Kansas City in that the Chiefs' run defense has been their weakness, and we saw that this year. When the Chiefs lost, it was because of teams like even the Colts beat them on the road because they could run the football that day, possess the football, keep Mahomes, Mahomes on the sideline, and uh, you can have great success running it on that defense. And then a nice side effect is limiting the Chiefs' offense. So the Titans um, are, are kind of built like a team that could beat Kansas City because that's how you do it. Derrick Henry's been excellent, uh, and I'm with you that if the Chiefs want to win or better their success, because I do believe they are the better team, but if they want to make it a little bit easier, it's going to have to be to force Tannehill to finally make some plays here in the playoffs because he really hasn't had to. The other thing that I think will be very interesting is if you make Derrick Henry go east-west instead of north-south. He seems to be a better north-south runner, especially if he can get that first move. If you force him to go laterally, I wonder what his output will be. Yeah, certainly. Uh, he's he's you know he's a strong he's just a strong runner. Uh, he is quick. He's deceivingly quick, but he he runs you know he runs high. Uh, he runs strong. Obviously, he runs behind his, his pad, and uh, he is one of those guys that's kind of a downhill runner. Hand it off to him and get upfield, and he'll run through guys. And he's not somebody that you want to stretch to the outside, and he'll outrun you to the perimeter and cut it upfield. Um, like maybe you know like a Chris Johnson, like they had in the past. You want uh, Derrick Henry to get going upfield and just try to plow through guys. So I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been the game plan for Tennessee. Um, had a big day against Kansas City in the regular season, and he'll probably have to again today. But uh, I guess the concern always is how much can you, can you give the guy? Uh, going back to, I believe, Week 17, I think it's now three straight weeks, and I believe all on the road. I can't recall Week 17, but the last two, right? You're getting on a plane, you're going there, you're getting 35 touches, get on a plane a couple of days later, go on the road, go play in the playoff, you get 35 touches. And even for a guy like him, as big and sturdy and strong and as good of a year as he's had, you wonder if at any point he may, you know, wear down a bit. Where you give him forty care, forty touches here, four weeks in a row, and, and all the travel and the playoff games, see if he can maintain what he's been doing. 
This is my game to watch golf during. I think it could get away fast wow. in Kansas City's favor if they get off to a quick start. If not, this is going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, I'm afraid that both games could be, you know, they're big lines, uh, somewhere around eight points each. Yeah, seven, that, you know, seven for Kansas City, eight for uh, San Francisco. Yeah, so the Kansas City has come down a little bit. I know I heard a lot of money has come in on Tennessee. Um, so, you know, people are liking uh, this, this Titans story of late. But uh, I'm afraid both could be blowouts. In, in regards to the Chiefs going up against Tennessee, I will say um, I think it's a good matchup for them as well. They scored over 30 points in the first matchup. But the Titans are the worst team in the league defending passes from two tight end sets. And the Chiefs throw the football the fourth most times with uh, two Titans on the field. So Chiefs match up well against the Titans defense as well. We saw what Mahomes did last week. Uh, I don't think the Titans want to get into a shootout, as we've touched on. So uh, both teams are set up offensively to have some success if they can do what they want to do, and that's for the Titans running the football. And Mahomes should be able to, to pass on the Titans defense. You realize that there's nobody from the Eastern time zone left in the playoffs? Oh, interesting. Just a nugget for you. Um, one other thing, too, Arrowhead... That stat that they put up last week, no field goals ever, uh, 50 per, is, are all over of uh, 50. No Arrowhead playoff field goals of 50 or more yards. Let's get that stat correct. Uh, will that play a factor? That's something to keep in mind going forward. Here's why I don't think Green Bay, San Francisco, Luke, is going to be a blowout. I think people are underestimating Green Bay. And I think Aaron Rodgers showed you something last week being able to throw the ball. I know this has been a running team with Jones, but I really believe that if Aaron Rodgers can make a play or two, it'll keep them in it. I just think that we still haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo under duress, and this Green Bay defense has gotten incrementally better and better and better. If they can continue that momentum, if they can let Aaron Rodgers give him enough time to make some plays and force Jimmy Garoppolo to be uncomfortable... I think this game stays close. I think Green Bay has a chance to win this game. I really do. I just, I know that Kittle and company want to go crazy today. And people look at San Francisco, the defense. You get Garoppolo making a key throw or two and you're good to go. Because a lot of what they did last week was running the ball. All those drives. What was that one drive that they scored um, with Tevin Coleman on like nine straight running plays? Whatever that drive was, I know that's been their M.O., but I think if you can take away the run, give Aaron Rodgers some opportunities, Green Bay can stay in this thing. I think Aaron Rodgers is the one saving grace. I think San Francisco's a more talented team. Uh, I, I think they match up well with Green Bay. I think I do believe that the Packers have actually certainly overachieved this year when you look at the numbers and uh, their record and winning a lot of close games, and even last week against Seattle. Um, but that game against Seattle, you know, showed what Rodgers is capable of. And I've compared him to, you know, like maybe like an old pitcher who's saving something up for the sixth or seventh inning. Uh, you re- or, or strike when you need strike three, he reaches back for a little extra on the fastball. And you know, I don't know if that's Aaron Rodgers who they asked him to do less in the regular season. We know, we believe, we know what he's still capable of. And just kind of waiting for Rodgers to have one of those Aaron Rodgers games where he kind of puts the team on his back and make plays like we're used to seeing. 
Last week he did that a little bit on that last possession where he had, I think, three completions on third down there at the yeah. end of the game yeah. um, and uh, a tough plays. So he did it a little bit where he, he made the plays when they needed him to. But, um, you know, I look at this, this game and this matchup, and there was a reason why San Francisco beat them by 30 when they did in the first matchup because uh, the Packers struggle against the things that the Niners do well, which is uh, defending pre-step motion, play action, and passes between the numbers. The Niners are number one in all three of those categories, and the Packers are towards uh, the bottom defensively in trying to stop those things. And when these two teams played the first time, Jimmy Garoppolo had a perfect passer rating when throwing between the numbers, so they exploited the Green Bay weaknesses, and I think they could do it again today. Aaron Rodgers has lost, when he's played a team again in the playoffs that he lost in the regular season, he has lost uh, five straight of those games. Uh, whereas Kyle Shanahan, when you look at him playing somebody for a second time, their numbers either stay the same or get better offensively. So I even give the edge to Shanahan in a rematch like this when it comes to adjustments as opposed to Aaron Rodgers trying to get revenge on a team that really handed it to them earlier this year. I will say this. Points given up since that game. 13, 15, 13, 10, 20, 23. So Packer, Packer defense has gotten better. Now, a bunch of those teams are not very good. The Giants, Washington, um, and the Lions, but that does include uh, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Seahawks. And, and, you know, the Packers are similar to what I was saying earlier in that I think they are a team, especially on defense, that plays better with the lead because they're a defense that's more built to get after the passer, and they're not as good against the run. So if they can jump out to a lead, especially against San Francisco, who likes to run the football, but if you can get a lead and you make the other team one-dimensional, and then offensively you can continue to run the football, which Matt LaFleur likes to do, that's where Green Bay's been at their their best. They're really good on script. They come out, they score quickly. They don't score a lot of points in the second half. They just kind of try to nurse a lead after they jump out early. Uh, they don't make a lot of in-game adjustments. Matt LaFleur comes up with a good scheme, you know, good game plan when they script the opening drive. And then after that, the Packers offense has struggled as the game has gone on, but they like to get a lead and just kind of bleed it to the end. So if they can jump out to an early lead against San Francisco, that could play into the Packers' hands as well. That it could. Uh, that it definitely could. And one other thing that I'm watching for in this game, this is your secret little X Factor, Luke. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for it? Oh, I am. Levi Stadium, what is that atmosphere like? This is this is unique for San Francisco. First big Packer, sorry, first last week, first big Niner playoff game in that stadium. Um, that stadium has been much derived for field conditions and a bunch of other issues. Uh, atmosphere, I thought, was, was, was pretty good last week as, a, as an opposition fan watching that game. What was your take on the atmosphere last week? Yeah, I agree, and I heard from um, you know media members who were there who also complimented it as well. It did seem like a good environment and a tough place to go in and play, and I imagine it'll be the same today. Packers travel well. You know that. I know that. I've, I've been at Packer Jet Games. You've been to a lot of Packer-related events uh, with, with the Vikings. These teams travel well. And I'm just curious as to how much of that Lambeau atmosphere can make it to San Francisco. Or will it be stopped on the California border because 49er fans decided to show up? 
And also remember, of course, if there's extra motivation required that Aaron Rodgers is from the area. He grew up a Niners fan. He was very disappointed when the Niners didn't draft him. And uh, while they did get embarrassed out there earlier this year, Rodgers made a comment about uh, the guys having, you know, it seemed like he was saying they had a little too much fun going to California and not getting ready for the game. That obviously won't be the case today with the trip to the Super Bowl on the line as well. The hashtag business trip, Luke. Mm-hmm. As the old saying goes, you can go to San Francisco any time of the year. Right. Just not from September to January. Yeah. Or February. Um, yeah. But this game will not be played in February. Uh, this game no. is being played in the month of January. Um, all right. So those are the two games. So uh, it's time for um, the end of the show, Luke. Aww. I know. So uh, is there a game that is your game of the day? Man, that's a good question. I'm going to For say... For me, it's the NFC Championship. Yeah, I think so. I, I honestly have been struggling to pick. I, I, I like to think both games will be close, competitive, and come down to the wire. I'm afraid we may get two... I don't know if you call them blowouts, but like I said, where the two favorites cover, win by multiple scores. Uh, if I had to pick one, I, I would guess the NFC Championship has a chance to be the more dramatic game than uh, the AFC. Your game to watch golf during the fun round of the American Express on Golf Channel. Uh, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> that game is not this week, sir. Oh, okay. All right. I, man, I don't know. Like, well, I guess if I pick the NFC as the game of the day, then I guess I got to say the AFC would be the game to watch golf during. But uh, I won't be watching any golf today. No. I will, but that's just me. <laughs> um, if, you, if somebody calls uh, tomorrow on, on the tomorrow, uh, on the tomorrow midday show needing a golf update, just call me and I'll help. And I'll, and I'll help you out. I'll be your co-host. I'll, I'll for, answer them to you. Yes, I will, yes, yes. You have my number. Transfer that. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, it's a Kansas City, San Francisco Super Bowl, unless Jimmy Garoppolo struggles. But I think it's Kansas City, San Fran, which my mom will not like because there'll be two red and white colored teams going. Uh, she hates yeah. when it's two teams of similar colors playing. It's true. Um, I agree with you, at least on the two teams that will be there. Um, and I think that's the best possible matchup as well. So I, that's what I'll be rooting for as well. I think the NFL wants Green Bay, Kansas City. Yeah, that'd probably be best for them in terms of yeah, the fan bases and even you know Aaron Rodgers and all. Aaron Rodgers against Pat Mahomes. I mean, that'd be a, a dream matchup on paper. Old school versus new school. Yep. Very much old school versus new school. I mean, Sam yeah, Fran, Kansas City is too. I mean, Garoppolo is more of the Tom Brady ilk than the Lamar Jackson ilk. Um, but especially if it's A-Rod. Yeah, and San Francisco, Kansas City would be interesting just in terms of the coaches with you know, Reed and Shanahan, maybe the two best offensive play callers at this point. Man. Absolutely. Um, one, one more before uh, we have your uh, personal watch today. Over under on shots uh, Fox gets of Mike Shanahan today. <laughs> I mean, set the over at like uh, I don't know, probably ten. I mean, they showed the guy more than the, than like Kirk Cousins last week. I know it was it was nuts what what Fred and Drew were doing in in, in the NBC truck. Yeah, I'm gonna put the over under on uh, eight at yeah, eight. I'll, I'll, I'll take, take the over. Yeah, I'll take yeah. the over as well. Um, this could be a lot of overload today. Uh, we will see what Richie Zients and Rich Russo 
decide to do. Um, all right, personal watch today. For me, it is Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Show, Pulleys in a um, hectic environment if the game gets to that. I'm going to go the opposite side with Aaron Rodgers because of what I laid out earlier where I, I, I've been waiting for him, like saving up that fastball, and today would be the day. If, if he can come out and make plays, because he's probably going to have to against a good defense here on the road. But Rodgers in his career, more interceptions and touchdowns in NFC Championship games than I believe a one and maybe only one and two. Maybe he's only been there three times prior. But he hasn't played well in these big games. He's going to have to today. Um, final thing before we hang up. Um... Over, under, I'll put it at one and a half on Tony Romo putting in a Houston Astros sign-stealing <laughs> reference if he can decipher the calls about what's being played, uh, 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 what, play, what plays are being audible, checkdowns, etc. At, at, at the line of scrimmage. One and a half. That's a good question. I think there will be one. I like the way you set the, the number because I don't know if there will be multiple. I'll take the over, though, because it is such a low number. I'll take my chance. CBS is not a Major League Baseball rights holder. They can have some fun with this true. if they want. That's true, and he would be the one guy to do it. He would be the one guy to do it. And as much as, as – and look, Joe Buck on the Peter King podcast did a great job. I highly recommend it. He, he called this whole scandal brutal and gross. Um which you, you rarely hear Joe Buck use those terms when it comes to a scandal involving a sport which, of which he is a rights holder. Or his, yeah, his, only when uh, Randy Moss pretends to moon the crowd. <laughs> oh, God. You had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> um, a little bitter. But, yeah, I can't see Fox going that direction with anything today. And also, Troy Aikman's not one for that. He's more for the X's and O's side of things and not for the, uh, not, not for the humor side. So... Away we go in this championship Sunday. Yeah, and we'll see. Hey, we'll see if this is Romo's final game there, right? So maybe he'll be at Monday Night Football next year. No shot. I told Ooh. I told some people this week that I will streak up and down my street if Romo leaves CVS. Wow, CBS. now we have another reason to root for it. <laughs> it will not be videotaped. Uh, all right, I'll find a cheap flight. <laughs> Yeah, there is no shot he's leaving the comfort of Jimmy and Jim Rickoff and that crew and his home. There's no shot. No shot. This is all agent posturing. All right, we'll see. Are you on the other side? No, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed, but, uh, you know, if the reports are that they're willing to offer up to $14 million to work, I mean, how many games do they do with the playoff game? Uh, probably 17 Monday Night Football games, right? So it's yes, but games. you realize that if that's going to happen, he's got a better schedule now. You have no guarantees that ABC is going to enter the Super Bowl rotation until um, a, a later date. ESPN Disney would want a, a longer-term contract than the three-year deal CBS signed them to. You would want some kind of assurance that your schedule will get better, because right now your schedule is crap. And I don't think appearances on, on Get Up is, is, is going to move the needle for him. Yeah, it's a good point. I guess the only advantage would be be money, and he's certainly not a guy who's probably desperate for money. So he's made over a hundred million in, in, in his career. If he's been s smart with his money, he does not need it. 
no, he doesn't need to work another day in his life if he's been smart enough. Um, right. But he still enjoys doing this. So, and, yeah, I, 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 that's probably the one advantage. And then, I mean, I guess the allure of Monday Night Football, but that's not the same as it once was. So Also, uh, I'm just going to vent for a second here, so just bear with me, Luke. There are a number of reports out there that Tony Romo would take Monday Night Football because he wants to play PGA Tour events. And uh, those are Thursday to Sunday, and this would allow him to be able to play those events and they wouldn't have to make contingency plans like CBS had to for the Safeway Open earlier this year. That is the biggest bunch of malarkey, thank you, uh, Joe Biden, I've ever heard. He is not going to let leave his employer out to dry because he wants to play in PGA Tour events. There is going to become a point, folks, where Tony Romo will stop getting these sponsor invites if he does not play up to par with the level of, of play required for unrestricted sponsor exemptions. And, then, and and this gets into some details, but I don't think Tony Romo wants to keep shooting high numbers in the PGA Tour either. Also, his two other exemptions that he got last year came in events that were not in the football season. There are plenty of opportunities for events to give him spots that are nowhere near the football season. It is the biggest bunch of BS out there. He is not leaving CBS and going to ESPN because of golf aspirations. I'm sorry. It's just crap. Straight up crap. Well, we'll see how it plays out. (sighs) I feel better, Luke. I feel better. All right, good. Now you're ready for some football. I'm ready for the final round of the American Express and see yeah, if, there you go. and see if Scotty Scheffler and and, uh, and Andrew Landry can hold on to this thing. Yep, they're gonna have to be good on third down today. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. You had to throw that one at me, didn't you? Yeah, I thought we were talking football. Oh God! All right. Um, thanks everybody um, for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. We will see you in two weeks for All Super right. Bowl. What is it? Fifty-four, five. I, I can't keep track. I don't know. I think it's 54. We'll see you for, for the Super Bowl uh, coming up in a couple of weeks.